going to talk about that chris garlock ed smith on your rights at work we're here 202-588-0893 is how you talk with us about your rights on the job ed smith how you doing today good afternoon mr garlock i'm hanging in there for a <laughs> little uh, cloudy thursday um same old, same old. good to see you you too hey listen we have a great great show uh we're going to talk about uh, you got uh, actually, I knew you'd like this one. We got a MedStar employee fired for tweeting about the hospital's lack of coronavirus safety yeah. precautions. No surprise there. I, I'm... I, I don't like it actually, but um, I like the story. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Be clear. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, in a few minutes, Rebecca Dixon is going to be joining us to talk about how big business is using the coronavirus as an excuse to get permanent protection from all worker lawsuits. Uh, again, not a surprise. Uh, we have got a new song. What's well, an old song, new lyrics. You're going to enjoy that one. Uh, I can have a little visit with Damon Silvers. He's got an update. The uh, AFL-CIO sued the feds uh, earlier this week over uh, coronavirus workplace safety. Also, um, I've got a breaking story I want to talk about in just a second. But first, uh, we are still in our pledge drive. And uh, what we want you to do, folks, you can actually give uh, right on your phone. You can use Cash App, uh, make a contribution. It's a dollar sign WPFW. Uh, make sure that you uh, you know uh, mention your rights at work so folks know about that. Uh, you, of course, can uh, call in. You got those numbers handy there, Mr. Smith? I do. You can call in at 202-588-9739. You can call in at 1-800-222-9739. And, of course, on your trusty computer or on your trusty phone, you can dial us in or dial us up at WPFWFM. Dot org and we really would love to see some contributions um the station needs it and we you know one of the interesting things chris is by doing skype i can see you and i can see our engineer normally it's good old mike but we have the big guy the big guy the big dog is the in the keyboard, house jerry Harris. so jerry <laughs> is wearing you, dual we, hats today we must we must rate is all i can say let's see if we can get uh, jerry on mike here to help us do a little pitching hey here's what i want to go for folks uh you know this look wpfw is so key to getting the kind of news that you want I'd love to see, and we haven't seen this for a while yet. Let's go for a $500 contribution or a $1,000 contribution. That's just like uh, 10 or 20 bucks a month to get the kind of news that, that you count on uh, here on WPFW, as well, of course, uh, as all of that wonderful, wonderful music and community affairs programming. And uh, folks like, you know, Jerry Paris and all the other wonderful uh, staffers. Jerry, you're looking mighty fit, my friend. I should be looking fit. You remember a character called Gumby? 
Oh my yeah. God, I do, I do. You're yeah. really dating us here, brother. <laughs> yeah, well, he was one of those stretchy toys that you could stretch oh, all yeah. over the place. And that's what's going on in the control room at WPFW. Yes, we wear multiple hats here, and it is work, and it is a labor of love. We do this for you, and this is when we come back to you and ask for your support because we are entirely listener supported. So, shall I give the numbers? Yes, please. 202 589 is the number to call to become a member and pledge your support. Where else on any media are you hearing anybody talking about your rights at work, especially at this time while we're in a p- pandemic? People, workers are fighting for their lives. Uh, if you're out of area, call toll free at 800 222 nine seven three nine and you can do the same you can pledge your support on our website which is your website at wpfwfm.org and we are now connected to cash app so on cash app you can type in dollar sign wpfw and make a donation there no donation is too great no donation is too small guys i gotta go wipe some sweat off i'm sweating in here <laughs> so jerry working hard working hard jerry, jerry doesn't look anything like eddie murphy do you get that Talking reference hard. or not yeah. Gumby. You Gumby, Eddie. Gumby. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay, guys. All right. So folks, let's 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 uh, talk. Let's look at the uh, you know five hundred dollar contribution, thousand dollar contribution. Let, let me let me just share with you. Uh, and look, you know, if you are one of those folks that's uh, been laid off, you're trying to get your unemployment. Those are the kind of things that we are talking about. Uh, we got a, a, a call from our old friend, Kurt Stan. You know Kurt Stan well. Uh, we had helped him uh, with one of his fellow booksellers uh, to, to get hooked up with unemployment because, you know, here's the situation, right? Unemployment is normally a difficult uh, place to navigate, but the folks over at the Claimant Advocacy Program have really been helpful in terms of getting through that bureaucracy, just like PFW helps you to sort through, you know, what's news, what's not, what's really going on. So give us a call. Give us that number one more time before we get into the meat of the program here, Ed. I'll jump in. Uh, if you're local, 202-588-9739. If you're out of the area, 1-800-222-9739. And by the way, I want to just give a shout out to some labor leaders out there who uh, listen from time to time. You know, we hope that you can contribute. I know a number of you have contributed in the past to this show and other shows. We could really use your help right now and, and help yourself, too, by uh, donating. And, of course, you can get on the web at WPFWFM.org. And then the other is a cash app, but uh, I'm new to that, so you're going to have to explain it. Dollar <laughs> sign, dollar sign WPFW. You can remember that. And that sets up your That's account it. at cash app. And then you well, can once you're in cash app, you got to get into cash app. Once you're in there, just dollar sign WPFW. Really easy and uh, just, just, uh, painless and and i like what ed was just saying uh you know ed and i are, are labor guys yeah let's see some of our labor folks step up and uh, let's make a personal vote of confidence in, in mr ed smith and, and and me chris garlock you know 202-588-0893 even if you like only one of us <laughs> just don't say which one all right we don't we, we, <laughs> right all we're right listen, to, there's a, we're trying to keep it on a good level between us 
Here's a, here's a story uh, that I read yesterday, and it was one of those sort of double-take moments, Ed Smith, where I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I can't say as I was surprised, but, you know, it's like, really, how low can these folks go? And when I read this, and I saw that the National Employment Law Project, and we've had Judy Conti on many, many times, going back to when she was over at the Employment Justice Center, and I saw it was NELP. I said, let me get the folks from NELP on. We have with us right now... Uh, none other than the executive director of the National Employment Law Project, and that would be Rebecca Dixon. Rebecca, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on. It is our pleasure. Now, can you, I don't even know where to start Start with this, uh, with big business. And we're talking about the Chamber of Commerce. We're talking about, I think it's the National Association of Manufacturers. I could have that second one wrong. Uh, trying to get around... Um, uh, get some permanent protection from worker lawsuits. Can you break it down for us? Yes. So, you know, every crisis is an opportunity, right? And so <laughs> they're using this crisis as an opportunity to uh, pursue immunity that they have long sought from having to comply with, you know, worker health and safety rules um, and, you know, could potentially also be a slippery slope and spill into, you know, rules around minimum wage, um, wanting to be immune from having to, to comply with uh, paid sick leave. So it could, you know, open up a Pandora's box. But basically what they want is to be immune from lawsuits from workers and consumers um, related to transmission of COVID um, as businesses reopen and for the ones that are still open. Well, and they're sneaky about it because, to be honest, when I first read the story, you know, the, the sort of the nose under the tent was, you know, well, if, if somebody sues, you know, they go to like a, some sort of business and they get exposed to COVID and they can prove that, you know, the, the uh, business did not follow, you know, the directions from, I guess, the state or the feds or the local authorities, uh, you know, so they want they want to get, you know, relief from that. And, and it's sort of you know, it sort of sounds innocuous, right? I mean, that that, that sounds sort of semi-reasonable, I guess, right? I mean, kind of, sort of, maybe? Not to me. Well, Not to um, <laughs> well, I'm a lawyer by trade, and so one okay. of the things you learn in first-year law school is about torts, um, which is, you know, when harm is done, being able to get compensated for that harm in a lawsuit. And okay. for something like COVID-19, that is a, a global pandemic and is highly transmissible, right? There, it would be almost impossible for a worker to prove that they got it at work or for a customer right. to prove that right. they contracted it at your place of business. So they don't really need it because the, the ability to actually prove that is very small. Yeah, I, I wanted to jump in on that too. Yeah, please. So I can see all your lawyer bells going well, off. Ed. You know, we're 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 thinking about these issues right in our workplace, right? Um, we've got nurses that are now being tested at a couple of hospitals universally. They're testing everybody, and it is going to be very hard to say, okay, Chris Garlock. Well, I won't say Chris Garlock. Jane Doe uh, has tested positive. Um, but in terms of tracing, we really can't tell where she's been in the last two weeks. Did she get exposed by a patient? Um, so if you're going to have a lawsuit against somebody or even get workers' compensation for that matter, you're going to have to show a direct line. And courts are going to throw out a lot of cases uh, without uh, strong amounts of proof. I mean, it would have to almost be 
that I was in a patient's bed, in the patient's bed uh, uh, room, leaning over the bed, and my everything fell off, and the patient just <laughs> coughed and coughed. And, and I'm I got sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. Minutes. It's not even funny, but it's no, it's it is sort of. But but I mean that's what that's the kind of modicum of proof you need because I'm in that patient's room. There's a very, if I've got all the proper protective gear on, there's a high likelihood I'm not going to catch anything from that patient. Then I take the gear off. If I take it off improperly, well, then maybe there's a chance I got exposed while at work. But what happens once I leave that work and I leave something on at work and maybe I go to a grocery store and I, and I get touch something there? That's the, that's the difficulty. And that's why trying to, uh, limit their exposure of lawsuits. I think is it doesn't make sense, uh, and 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 number and, and they shouldn't. If you can prove that an employer did something wrong or a, or a business did something gross, you know, negligent, then they, the whole concept of our lawsuits uh, you shouldn't throw that out uh, with the bathwater. Well, let me go back to Rebecca here because I found out about this because of a story. You were at this uh, constitutional, I think, constitutional law society yesterday, you know, talking about this. And here's what I understand is that even if, you know, you think there's any merit to this, you know, supposed argument, and I, you know, obviously think it's a bit, you know, thin to non-existent, but this idea that, that you should just, you know, throw all of these out and not only uh, throw them out, but throw them out permanently Apparently, at least from the story that I read, and I'd like you to speak to this, apparently this is part of an ongoing strategy or a long-term strategy that these folks have had to try and get out from under some of these laws. And that's what I'd really like you to talk about. Yeah. Yes. That's Go ahead. It is. That's directed at you, Rebecca. <laughs> okay. no, not you, Ed. It I don't is. want to hear from you. <laughs> it is actually a long-term strategy. Um, we've seen... Congress go along with this, and this is kind of our reality, where employers, the interest of employers is put above that, the interest of workers. And so if, if there's no, um, if there's no consequence, why would any employer provide a safe and healthy workplace for their employees, right? So we don't operate on the honor system in the United States. We have laws for a reason and we have policies for a reason um and you know if we were to take away the the laws and policies then it's just the wild west right and employers like to say well it's the bad actors it's the bad actors but if there's no requirement to do protective things and those protective things add to cost right or they make delivery slower or things of that nature they're competing with other companies that also, that don't have rules. And so you really risk setting up this race to the bottom um, among employers around any kind of immunity that you give them. Got it. We're uh, talking to Rebecca Dixon. She's the executive director of the National Employment Law Project. This is a little thing that big business is trying to sneak in under the cover of uh, the pandemic to uh, basically get off the hook on, on uh, lawsuits over, you know, worker safety. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess... I guess, Rebecca, you're not too surprised, and, and you either, right? I mean, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a little naive here. I, I, I am a little surprised to see them trying to pull this. But I guess, Rebecca, over in your line of work, you probably see this all the time, right? 
Right. There's there's always going to be, if the premise is that profits are above people, right, there's always going to be, um, and shareholders are, are prime, right, then there's always going to be a pressure to, and an incentive, actually, to go for those things, to go and do things that increase profits and that increase shareholder value. And so, you know, we, we're seeing this kind of vary in a stark way now, but there's always been this fundamental way in which, um, or in the recent past, this fundamental way in which um, profits are being placed above people. Ed? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. And, you know, it's, it's COVID-19 today. Several years ago, it was acid rain and, and, and um, smokestack uh, issues with uh, coal companies. And uh, we, you, I'm sure you remember uh, Horizon, um, the, the big oil spill. It's, it's every day. My dad was a diesel mechanic, and they didn't have ventilation back in the day. And he worked in upstate New York. And so in the winters, they would have to open up the bays so that they could breathe right. Mm, so mm. I don't see a difference in COVID-19 or other work safety issues? I don't know. Do you? I think, you know, it should be about prevention, right? Because when we get to a law school suit to enforce damages because someone was harmed, someone's already been harmed. And so I think that this immunity discussion also takes away the spotlight from the need to provide health and safety um, equipment to folks who are deemed essential and are working, and to be able to actually prevent, you know, these tragedies of people being sick and dying. Like, we should be trying to prevent this, not trying to fight about whether there's liability after it's happened. That's a very good point. Thank you. Hey, let me ask you uh, about another story that literally I just got uh, just before we went on the air, Rebecca, and I don't know if you've seen this, and I, I, I didn't have time to, to check on online, but uh, apparently Trump signed an executive order, uh, I think last night, uh, ordering all federal departments and agencies to uh, basically trash rules and regulations and their enforcement uh, under the guise of stimulating the economy. A, have you heard about this? And, and B, this seems like sort of the same thing writ even larger. Yeah, I don't have the price, precise details on this. But what I do know is that it follows a pattern um, that we've seen since the beginning of this crisis. So there was an instance where the the administration suspended um, the rules around um, affirmative action and discrimination because COVID was an opportunity to do that. We've seen them um, enact new rules to restrict immigration and using COVID as cover. So it's it's actually part of a pattern of using COVID as cover to push their agenda. Wow. I mean, because, I mean, this thing from, I mean, I already thought, you know, the, the thing about the attempt, you know, that you guys talked about yesterday at the Constitutional Society, I mean, that's a that's a proposal. So that actually, you know, it's something I assume that we could fight over in Congress and there would be public pressure and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, can can, I guess... Can Trump actually do that? I mean, how does that work? I don't have the precise details, but what I can say is that, you know, elections have consequences. And so there's a lot of power vested in the executive. And 
you know, we're seeing what we've been seeing play out over the last three years where this administration does not put workers first and doesn't put the health and safety of our communities first and has been consistently rolling back protections. So if we want to zero in on, say, health and safety that we've been talking about here, um, they, the same administration that declared that um, workers in uh, meat processing are essential has also been trying to and has succeeded in increasing the line speeds in those plants. So making it harder for you to actually be able to cover your face if you sneeze or to actually be able to wash hands or any of the things that you need to do to prevent the spread of COVID. So it, it is part of, you know, a concerted effort to 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 basically implement the the um, the agenda of big business. Wow, it, it's just mind-boggling. And I, I guess before we, we we let you go, I mean, first of all, remind folks of, of what you all do over at the National Employment Law Project, and, and as part of that. Uh, I, I think, you know, sometimes people sort of feel like this stuff is, you know, sort of like the weather. You can't really do anything about it. And, and I think at least my understanding is that a lot of, a lot of what you guys do is, is about actually fighting back against that. We do. So NELP has been around for the last 50 years, and we are a research policy and capacity building organization. And our big goals are to strengthen protections and build power for workers in the United States, um, and we also work on behalf of unemployed workers. Um, and we don't just do policy. We also try to connect with worker-led organizations and directly with workers so that we can be um, in line with the community and amplifying the work that they're doing um, because we know that they are always fighting back. And so we want to also just be able to support and amplify that um, and help to to push this country to to be a country where uh, workers' health and workers' safety is more important than the almighty dollar. Your your lips to God's ears, Rebecca, <laughs> or or whatever uh, makes the uh, makes the laws. There. Anyway, Rebecca Dixon, we really appreciate uh, you being on to help us to understand some of the stuff that's going on, and uh, knowing that you and the, the folks over at National Employment Law Project are on the case. Uh, certainly helps me to sleep better at night. So keep up the great work, and thanks again. Thanks, Chris. All right. Take care. So, Chris, once again, we had uh, last week a tough, tough, uh, hard-hitting uh, uh, few guests, and the first guest right off the bat shows you why people like me and you have to keep doing our jobs, and, and, and one of the, our jobs is communicating and to our members and our audience and this is uh, a powerful um, medium to talk to people out there and I hope you're listening um, it is so important to number one educate ourselves on the issues and then figure out strategies on how we combat uh, practices uh, like this it's not just this Trump administration that has been nope, doing that's absolutely it right has been, it has been Democratic and Republican administrations because we know the almighty dollar fuels um, their their elections and their need to get reelected into these positions of power. So, um, you know, I, I, I love NELP. They're a great organization. and uh, But it just shows you 
to come out to uh, PFW and have this discussion. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm pitching again. I know. I saw, you, I saw I saw the way you saw Jerry was like, that is so impressive, the way you kind of slid right. You're a I pro, learned. Dude. I learned but from Jerry. But you didn't give the number. You didn't give the number. Uh, you got well, to... <laughs> I'm, I'm about to. I was, I was oh, okay. trying to wrap it up. But I'm Speaking up. Learning, learning. I'm trying to learn from Gumby. Um, Gumby here. But yeah, so He's again, killing me. Again, that's that's the kind of information that I hope you in the audience you, you get educated about it. You can feel free to call us and talk talk to us uh, with Absolutely. questions about it. Which, by the way, that number is five eight eight zero eight nine three. Feel free to talk debate with us on that, or to just say, you know what, I agree. And then after you get off the phone talking with us, go to wpfwfm.org, or you can even do it while you're talking to us. Click on the <laughs> donate button. And uh, you can uh, go to uh, Cash App and uh, hit, uh, 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 what is it, uh, the, the uh, dollar sign, WPFW. Yeah, you got then, it. You got and it. And then well you, can, uh, you can donate that way. I can learn quickly. Oh, my God. We taught Ed some, uh, something today. And uh, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, telephone, we do have volunteers here. And uh, we would appreciate uh, donations, 202 588 Nine seven three nine or out of the area code one eight hundred two 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 nine seven three nine. That's a great guest, by the way. Uh, Thank you so much. She's wonderful, and and you know all the folks at NELP are wonderful. And again, let's let's go for a, you know a five hundred dollar contribution, a thousand dollar contribution. It's a vote of confidence in WPFW. It really, really is. Ed has his. It's not exactly a bingo bell. What what the heck is? That? I can see. Yeah, it's a little, a little music. It's a little music. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, hold up. We're, we're going to do that when we get that uh, five hundred or thousand dollar contribution. And like, it's, you know, we were just talking about the almighty dollar, and people usually use that as a negative thing. Oh, you know, it's run by the almighty dollar. But you know, let's turn that around. The almighty dollar is what enables us, you know, when talking talk about WPFW, to have been on the air for now over forty years. Imagine life without WPF. I can't. I cannot imagine life without WPFW, especially in these times. So let's uh, give that. Give a call two zero two five eight eight nine seven three nine, or like hit that cash app and uh, make sure that you tell them you heard about it on your rights at work. Now I got a couple of stories. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a new version of an old song coming up at the half. Um, and then we've got a couple of more really great guests coming your way on today's show. Uh, Lynn Burnaby. In fact, Lynn, I've been seeing, she's been a regular on our Tuesday night labor fest screenings. Going to talk about, uh, uh, that MedStar employee that was fired for tweeting, uh, about the hospital's lack of coronavirus safety precautions. If, uh, you guys out there have any stories like this, we'd love to hear them. We can talk about your rights on the job. You can give us a call, 202-588-0893 is how you do that. Also, our old friend uh, Damon Silvers is going to have a report on uh, how the AFL-CIO is suing the, the feds over uh, safety uh, in the workplace uh, regarding coronavirus. Uh, but there's a couple of stories that, that I wanted to share with you. Uh, first of all, just a shout out to all of the McDonald's workers that uh, went on strike uh, yesterday. Uh, over the company's response, or more accurately, lack of response to the coronavirus. And this is sort of, you know, connected to uh, what Rebecca was just talking about. You know, and it's, I'm a little discouraged, you know, it, you know, people keep talking about how, you know, we got, we're in a, in a war against the virus and, and, you know, we all got to come together in solidarity, you know, but solidarity seems to stop, uh, 
stop at the line, you know, when it, when it comes to actually employers doing right, whether it's, you know, paying their workers properly, giving them PPE, you know, so it's, it's sort of like, yeah, we got, you, you know, we got your back. We're way, you know, you, you all go on ahead, you know, and, and, and I know you know what I'm talking about, right? Cause yeah. you're dealing with employers too. And, and look, some of them are stand up and some of them are doing the right things, you know, but uh, some of them, not so much. Well, it goes to back, goes to uh, what I was talking about last week about, calling nurses and healthcare workers and food service workers heroes. Well, we'd rather not be called heroes. We'd rather be able to just do our job and get paid properly for our job and be given workplace protections. Um, heroes, it's kind of thoughts and prayers, as, as I said last week. And, and uh, if you're not, if you're going to reopen our country, which we do have to do at some point, you've got to make sure that you're doing the right things, which include making sure you've got all the equipment necessary, giving people proper breaks necessary, and then we've got to make sure that people are getting tested, and then that we also trace their, um, if, they've, if they've been um, tested positive, we've got to find out where they've been and hopefully try to find out where they got it so that we keep, keep this uh, pandemic tamped down a bit, but I don't see it. I'm very nervous about it. Yeah, and and here's and we've been talking about this last couple of weeks, Ed. You know, I I, I honestly sometimes feel like my brain is split in, is split in two because on the one hand you hear this news and he's like, oh, you know, gosh darn it, here we go again. You know, you read a story like those two stories we just talked about, and you're like, <laughs> you know, it's just like I've been saying since day one. You know, a pandemic has been bringing out the best and the worst. And sometimes simultaneously, I mean, you hear just wonderful stories about people who are stepping up. I just heard that in England, some some old you know guy raised like forty million dollars for the National Health Service. Uh, I, yeah, just by walking back and forth in his garden, and you know, I mean, I was like forty million. That's like that's so so cool. It just makes you know, I tear up. I get, I mean, I, right. I, that's wonderful, right? And then you turn around and you see employers who are trying to screw. I mean, sorry, but pardon my French, but trying to you know mess over workers, you know, for a few dollars. It's it just so so frustrating. So so frustrating. Well, let's listen to uh, somebody who just got fired. You know, by the way, this is not the only healthcare worker that's been fired. No, no, no. Out against, uh, but I'm very glad that someone has taken her. Her case up, and I'm very sorry to hear it's Washington Hospital Center that uh, is doing has done this, but I'm not surprised. Now, we're gonna before we get Lynn on, we have a little oh. music here. This is a, this is a song you've heard before, but it's a, it's an updated version. It's gonna set up this next guest perfectly. So Jerry, let's roll. Been working as a registered nurse for 28 trying years. I've had good days and I've had bad days when I left the job in tears. But I've never seen times like these when every day our lives are on the line. We just come to work here. We don't come to die. Each morning now when I get to work, I step into a damn war zone. There's so many sick so few staff at our hospitals and nursing homes We're working without the proper protection and improvising on the fly But we just come to work here, we don't come to die So as you avoid exposure in your office enclosure where you're comfy and safely removed 
And you order us a shipment of the wrong equipment Pardon me if I'm not moved Now I'm not saying that you don't care I'm not saying that you don't try I'm saying we just come to work here We don't come to die The virus hit three months ago right, Since right. then we've been overwhelmed We're looking to the that's uh, Ben Grosskop. Uh, the original lyrics, of course, by Harry Stamper, with the new lyrics by Paul McKenna, We Don't Come uh, to Die. Great, great song and uh, really good new lyrics. And unfortunately, it does set up this next story, uh, which I saw in the post the other day about this MedStar employee who says she was fired, get this, Ed Smith, for tweeting about the hospital's lack of coronavirus safety precautions. So, to tell us about that, we have her lawyer, who is a, a longtime friend of ours. I've been seeing her every Tuesday for the last month at the uh, Labor Fest Tuesday night screenings, and then none other than Lynn Burnaby of uh, Burnaby and Cabot. Is that Cabot? How do I say that? That's Lynn? right. That's right. I got it. I got it. All right. <laughs> well, Lynn, it's uh, it's good to uh, to see you in in your in, in your normal role rather than as uh, you know attending my, my screenings on Tuesday nights, which I'm always happy to see you. Uh, there. Uh, and I should mention next Tuesday, folks, John Sales will be introducing eight men out. So if you've been jonesing for baseball, uh, you can get some baseball and you can get a dose of John Sales. But Lynn, what the heck is going on with this MedStar employee? Well, I don't think she's the only one. Um, she's the only one that's been brave enough to file a lawsuit. But um, she was a speech and hearing therapist, a young woman, um, who at the beginning, you know, uh, kept up with all the guidance from the uh, Centers for Disease Control, the uh, Miriam Bowser from the mayor, uh, about what the proper precautions were. And uh, at every step, she asked her supervisors, why aren't we doing this? And, you know, very slowly, MedStar started to uh, uh, create procedures uh but the procedures, first of all, the procedures were always behind the guidance given by the federal and local government, and then they didn't even comply with their own procedures. Um, so they had no screening at entrances, um, so she took some videos of that. The cafeterias had no social distancing, no, um, you know, removal of common um, uh, amenities. Um, <clears throat> they had no protective gear for uh, people who were actually in close contact with patients. Um, you know, basically, there was a wholesale disregard of the rules, and she raised it internally over and over again. She asked her supervisors, did you raise it in your morning meetings and tell them what's going on and how we need to comply with, uh, you know, these protocols? And they said, yeah, we raised it. And then eventually she started tweeting it <clears throat> and showing videos of, you know, no, <laughs> no screening. Good, good for her. Yeah, she got their attention, and and she mentioned I'm sure she actually she, did. <laughs> she actually tagged some of these tweets. She said, "Metstar right. and Mayor Bowser, listen to this and follow these <laughs> procedures." And of course, that's what got her fired. Right. I'm, I'm just laughing because I, I mean that's the way you do it. I mean, it's no point in tweeting if you're not going to go ahead and tag the targets. Uh, hey, hold on a second. I want to get a caller in here. Uh, Mo is on the line. Mo, you're on your right to work. Go ahead, please. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ed. Hello there. How you doing? Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I am pulling as a common, ordinary troop here. Um, 
but something occurred to me that I wanted to inject in a conversation. It has to Please. do with schools and education and what happens this fall. Already I see on the air they're talking about having smaller class sizes, spacing out the desks, and having the kids more than six feet apart and so on, which is a great thing, not to mention the college classroom. But then I got to thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Haven't we been complaining about class size for how many years? All through the baby boomer years and up to the present, where they stuffed 30, 40, maybe more kids in the classroom with one teacher, no assistant, and now we're going to do what? Spread them out? First of all, where are we going to spread them out? And number two, where are all these teachers coming from? And number three, isn't there some sort of hazard involved with all this? I just wanted to inject that that's, to me, a key labor question that's right on the horizon. Mo, you are you are so, so right. And you know what? Uh, we will get Liz Davis. Uh, 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 she's on my executive board and a very close friend of Ed Smith. Ed and Liz have been working together for years, of course, because of uh, many of, of uh, Ed's folks are right in the uh, – uh, in the uh, in the schools, and so you know that that's been an issue. You guys have worked closely, but yeah, we need to get Liz in to talk about that. Uh, I think you're absolutely correct about that. I mean, there are so so many. Qu- we're going to be. I mean, honestly, we're going to be talking about this for months because the implications uh, for workers uh, on the job are are long term and are not going to be solved uh, in the short term. But Ed, did you want to jump in on that real quick? Well, I want, yeah, um, Mo, thank you for that point. And I also, I'm not sure you're aware of this, but we have represent approximately 150 RNs and LPNs that work in the school system. And a few months ago, they were given the choice of getting laid off or getting transferred to do uh, testing at the Department of Health and other areas and talking to people on the phone. And uh, we don't know when they're coming back either. We don't know what's going to happen. And um, so it's not only impacting children, teachers, but also nurses and other workers, um, uh, you know, custodians and, and, and the like. So very um, crazy times. Thanks for the call. I really that. appreciate it. I'm sorry, did we, Mo, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Maryland in particular, where they're talking about year-round school. Now they've been kicking this around again for years. Now all of a sudden there's a push with the governor and the legislature to have year-round school and how that's going to work. Well, I don't care if this period to be their summer vacation and people start school as soon as they want. Once again, additional work, additional workload on the teachers, no talk about how they're going to be compensated for that. Right, right. Well, you are on point, brother. Appreciate the call. Stay tuned. Uh, and, uh, hey, make a contribution, too, while That's you're at right, it. Right, Mo. Don't forget to, don't forget to, uh, <laughs> hey, go to the I'm on, I'm in the pot. You know I'm in the pot. You know it. I know you, you are. So I know it. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. Sure. Take care, brother. Take uh, care. Now. All right. Uh, we're going to get Damon Silvers to join the conversation, but uh, back again with Lynn Burnaby, who is a lawyer representing the MedStar employee fired for tweeting about the hospital's lack of coronavirus safety precautions. And Lynn, as you were pointing out and Ed was pointing out, you know, this is this is not a unique case. I've certainly seen the uh, other cases like this across the country. Um, 
it, it really kind of sends a chill. I mean, they apparently they called her in to kind of chastise her, right? Oh, yeah. They called her in, and they first said, take down your um, uh, social media post, which she agreed to do. And then basically they fired her. Um, and so, you know, it, it, and they, they went back and told her coworkers, many of whom were also complaining about the same things or bringing up the same issues. You know, we don't have protective gear. There's no screening at the entrances. And, um, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't even know what the procedures are because they, they would, they would put out procedures every week or every couple of days and they'd be the same old procedures. So, they, they got the message across because people there are very afraid to raise concerns now. Oh, man. It's, I just, this is the kind of case I just hate. Hey, I joined the conversation now. Uh, our, our longtime friend, Damon Silver, is uh, Director of Policy, Special Counsel for the AFL-CIO. Damon, welcome. Hey, thank you. Great to be with you, Chris. Hey, before uh, we, we bring you in to talk about uh, what, what I want to talk about, the AFL suit uh, over the coronavirus workplace safety, actually, uh, you turn out to be a great uh, uh, fundraising pitcher for us because, uh, you know, normally yeah. you're like, you know, raising like millions of dollars. So, so t- tell folks why they should contribute to PFW. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's, it's interesting. you don't usually call people up to ask them to do that. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> You're so hey, good at it. Yeah, hey, well, look, all uh, folks know, on the uh, wheel. What can I say? You know, uh, uh, actually, I, actually, what I was going to start off by saying was that uh, I hope Katia Stitt, uh, the program manager, uh, program director, is is somewhere within earshot because uh, since I since I had the microphone, I wanted to congratulate her on becoming permanent uh, uh, program director. Uh, you know, there's nobody there's nobody in the, in the city of Washington has done more to keep jazz. You know, in our culture and alive, uh, in our in our in our lives, and it's great to see that recognized. Um, Talking I, about Katia Stitt, of course. So yes, Katia is listening, and and I'll thank you on her behalf. All right. So, but but let me broaden that out because what what Katia's work has been about is about keeping this station on the air, and you know, she and Jerry and and the, the engineers and so forth have worked you know tirelessly in very difficult circumstances over the years to crisis after crisis, keep uh, jazz and justice on air in D.C. And, uh, you know, not all, we you know we who benefit from that, we do not have to work 24-7 like they do, uh, but we do need to send in the money. Because, like, the, even though uh, all the programmers are volunteers, the extraordinarily talented people, even though the programmers are volunteers, this, this, a radio station takes money Keep on the air, and, and it's on us. There are no, there are no corporate donors. There's no, you know, there's just really nobody but the community. And um, and what is being provided here, speaking of community, is a right, America's greatest music, um, you know, in, in, and but programmed and curated by people who really know it, and also who know this community that are the 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 the. the, the um, you know, you can you can dial up any music you want these days on you know on YouTube and Spotify and all this stuff. And, and uh, but what you, what WPFW offers is something unique, which is that combination of music, knowledge, community, uh, and and political insight and political discourse. Uh, but for me, it's really it's really that combination of music and community. There's nothing like it, and uh, it's on us to keep it to keep it alive. It doesn't. It, there's no guarantee in life that anything good sticks around if we don't make it so every day. 
And so that that really is on all of us to put that that money in there and to keep things like like uh, you know your rights at work on the air to keep the voice of working people in D.C. and the, the, the struggles that working people go through, uh, you know, on on you know on the air and in the public consciousness. Again, it is on us. No one else will do it for us. And so, uh, you know, Chris, I, I hope that the people, folks who are listening, uh, get the message and send in the money. WPFWFM.org Also on Cash App, just a dollar sign WPFW Uh, Our goal for the hour is 500 That's, uh, you know, just, you can do that at one shot At $500 contribution, uh, 250 1000 it's all good uh, And it goes to keep PFW On the air Now, Damon, to what we actually asked you on the show To talk about (laughs) Which is, you know, the AFL uh, suing uh, the feds over this uh, workplace safety issue, which seems to be our theme of the hour. Can you tell us what that's about? Sure, sure. Well, this is, you know, Chris, this is just outrageous. I mean, you know, in, in the era of Donald Trump, you know, every day is an outrage. But this, this is an outrage, uh, like, uh, of a world, sort of world historical level. Um, you know, we have, in theory, in this country, a system of occupational safety regulation. And it, it part it's, it really rests on two pillars. One of them is the fact that we have an agency in the Labor Department, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, that is supposed to be setting forth uh, standards for what constitutes a safe workplace and sending out inspectors to make sure that employers are meeting those standards. The other pillar of this system is the right of working people to come together, organize, bargain, and enforce safety at work. Right? And people do that mostly through unions, but you don't need a union to do it. The law, the law protects collective action in support of safety. If, 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 if you and one, and just, you and just one other of your coworkers stand together, you don't even, you don't have to have a union. You go to your employer and say, this is unsafe. I want you to change. We want you to change it. And the key word is we. You are protected under the National Labor Relations Act's collective action protection procedures. Right? Do not need a union to do that and be legally protected. Now, those are the two pillars. The Trump administration has systematically, and the Trump administration's National Labor Relations Board, have systematically tried to weaken workers' rights at work and weaken the working people to enforce their own safety. And in the health and in, in the Occupational Safety and Health Administration has refused to issue a safety standard governing infectious diseases in the workplace as we go through the greatest infectious pandemic of our lifetime, right? It, it is a criminal dereliction of duty, if I might say so. I don't mean criminal in the sense that I expect anyone to be indicted, but that in the eyes of God, it's a criminal act, in my view, not to, to refuse to do that. The AFL-CIO, on behalf of, of our 55-member unions and the working people of the United States, we filed a detailed technical petition with the Occupational and with the Department of Labor and with OSHA two months ago asking for an emergency standard. And if this is an emergency, <laughs> what is? <laughs> uh, I guess the Black Death, maybe. Anyway, we filed this. We filed this, this petition, and they sat on it and did nothing. We tried, to get, we tried to get the safety standard into the CARES Act, into the act that moved through Congress. The hospital industry, of all people, the hospital industry went to President Trump and Mitch McConnell and blocked it. And, there, and now we're going back at it again. We've got that standard into the HEROES Act that passed the House this week. And we know those, those people, the hospital industry of all people, who are supposed to have a kind of duty to people's health, 
the hospital industry is going to try to block it again on the Hill. And so at the same time, we have sued in federal court, D.C. Circuit, under a, a, a rather arcane legal proceeding called a mandamus. We have sued the, and asked the court to force the Department of Labor to act uh, on the notion that the Department of Labor is failing to comply with its legal duty to maintain a safe workplace under the, the act that created OSHA. And, we, and we've got a hearing scheduled uh, at our, uh, at, at based on the schedule we asked for. And that case is moving forward. Uh, and uh, uh, so we're fighting on every front. And there will be an opportunity for working people in the district to join that fight when we, because we, the labor movement is mobilizing around June 3rd. And Chris, you're involved in this, probably talk about it more than I can at this point. We are mobilizing on June 3rd uh, to demand that the Senate pass the HEROES Act, which has the safety standard in it. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I'll be reporting on that more next week. We're literally, I've been having meetings every day. Uh, uh, here's what we're trying to do, Dan. We're trying to work out the logistics, and you can imagine uh, this has been very interesting. Uh, they're talking about in a neighborhood of 2,500 uh, cars doing, uh, people have been doing these sort of little caravans around town on various issues, but the number I'm being told is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 cars uh, around the U.S. Capitol. So if anybody's got a really big parking lot we can borrow, uh, hit me up if you would. <laughs> I'm not kidding, actually. I'm dead serious. Uh, that's what we're looking for at the moment. So I will keep you posted. Uh, but to your main point, uh, you know, is just outrageous, outrageous uh, that, you know, the ink was barely dry on this HERO Act when Trump, with great glee, I have to say, announced it dead on arrival very, very poor choice of words by a guy who's notorious for having a poor choice of words. But Ed Smith, I think you probably have something to say about this as well. Yeah, Damon, yeah. thanks for coming on. Coming on, We always uh, love hearing your voice, and thanks for the pitch. Um, back in early March, our national union sent letters to uh, CDC and OSHA, uh, and those letters asked for the same thing you're asking for, they didn't even get a response until, I believe, late April. And, of course, the response was no. Um, and our union. <laughs> That's probably, probably literally was a response. It was like scrawled in, 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 in crayon. You know? No, in somebody's blood probably. In uh, and, and our union, DCNA, we sent a request regarding testing to the mayor back on March 11th, and they didn't bother sitting down and meeting with us until late March and then they finally did strengthen the testing um, uh, guidelines uh, uh, more than uh, CDC. But what I also find interesting, and let me ask you this, Damon, uh, the hospital association uh, seems to have its claws in the CDC as well, the Center for, Centers for Disease Control. Um, their guidelines, according to our research, are just not adequate as well. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Well, in general, we've seen, in general, we've seen different parts of the federal government be more and less serious about doing their job and meeting their obligations to the public in this bizarre environment, right, where, where the president seems to be actively trying to spread the virus, it seems, it's, uh, sometimes. You can't figure out, what is this guy doing? <laughs> right? when, when, when we need when we need the president to really lead, we need leadership here. Uh, 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 sometimes I feel like the guy just, you know, the guy just chickened out, right? He he realized that leadership was going to be hard, right? That the markets would go up and down, and, and things were going to be. The leading might be tough, 
And so he and so he decided instead to like put all his chips on on like magical cures. I, I you know I, I don't understand all of that, but but different people in the government have behaved in different ways, and 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 I think uh, um, the you know the Labor Department's just refusal to issue a standard at all. There's Labor Secretary Gene Scalia, who's a longtime uh, company lawyer, Gene and uh, uh, Anthony and Scalia's son. Uh, Gene Scalia's uh, failure to do that is gonna, it's gonna, I think, uh, could be something he's gonna be carrying for the rest of his life. Uh, uh, just, just to, and, and then, you know, in terms of the CDC's standards, I, I think the, 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 the material that the CDC has put out has varied, uh, uh, in, in, uh, you know, it, uh, throughout this and increasingly seems to be kind of more, uh, you know, they, they, they went through this whole process of they, they, they put out this reopening standard that sounded like they might have been serious. White House got at them. And, you know, there's been all this kind of confusion here. Uh, this is not how to fight. This is not how to fight an epidemic uh, can, with different heads of different agencies. Can, being can I say something? Yeah, we, the yeah we, and Lynn, Lynn, I wanted to get back to you uh, just before no, we No, I wanted to say something about what Damon said. Um, you know, yeah, we do a lot of whistleblower work, a lot of work with employees, you know, uh, who are treated unfairly. And, you know, it's very hard now to protect health care workers because there's no federal legislation. And so if it's not enacted in federal legislation, it's left up to the states. And the states are all over the lot, you know, and it's sort of dependent on what kind of state court you get in. There's some out west are terrific, some out here are not so great. And... It's really um, sort of a crapshoot who you get. So the need for federal legislation right now is is the basic protections you have uh, to protect health care workers who are so important. Yeah, and and just, we're going to have to – got 20 seconds to start, Damon. Go ahead. Oh, all right. Sorry. Say, we're, we're at it. Look, on the one hand, you have the state of Minnesota that says workers are absolutely protected against retaliation for calling out an unsafe workplace. On the other hand, you have the state of Iowa where they are forcing people into workplaces that are death traps. Right. Wow. All right. You guys have both been great. We'll have you back on. Thanks so much for all the work that you're doing. That's Lynn Burnaby uh, at Burnaby and Kaba and Damon Silvers, Director of Policy and Special Counsel at AFL-CIO. Both of you stay safe. Keep up the great work, okay? <laughs> right, you too. Great. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. All right, Ed Smith, that's uh, just about going to do it for uh, for this week's edition of that's Your that's Rights that's at that's Work. That's yeah, just a reminder, folks, uh, you can still contribute, uh, 202-588-9739, 800 on um, See you next week. Take care.